This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 432, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. It's the deepest and the darkest well that I have ever found. Hear me calling you from a deep down. iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 432. I am Josh Flanagan. Joining me are Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. And Paul Montgomery. Hello. Hi. Hey. Hi. We are iFanboy. <laughs> Welcome to iFanboy. Yeah. Every week we read a bunch of comics and one of them picked the best one they read. And we call that the Pick of the Week. Who Edwin. wants a polka dotted elephant? I can, I can do Edwin all day. Does anybody fun. get that reference? I've been starting to make references and realize that, like, uh, I'm like, oh, this is a small. Like, I wrote the other day, like, I wrote a line from that Twilight Zone episode with Bill Moomy. Nice. Yes, everything is good. And I just thought, I wonder if anyone will get this. It's because it kept snowing and he made it snow. Anyway. It's better than uh, my senior Wences jokes, but. Yeah. So I, the be- See, I got that. All right. We're, we're well, I think we're well uh, media versed, I guess, in useless, useless things. Uh, the book that's the best is the pick of the week. We're going to be talking about that book, which is grim. And, uh, I mean, really grim. And then we'll talk about some other books, which by contrast just couldn't be grim. And then some other things that happen in the course of, of human events. Uh, that was the uh, Declaration of Independence I just referenced, I guess. So, wow, you uh, need a nap. <laughs> I really do. I slept the whole night. Usually I feed the baby and then I come up to bed. I didn't do that last night. I just slept downstairs and I was like, oh, it's 6 a.m. You didn't feed it's the baby like at all? No, I fed him. Okay. No, because he yells if you don't. Ah! <laughs> so Which is fine. Show, I'm hungover. You are tired. <laughs> this is going to be a great show. <laughs> Connor, you know about this state for me. I know. Before we get to the show, a quick reminder. This is a review show. We'll be talking about what happened in the book. So that means spoilers. If you haven't read them yet and you don't know... I mean, if you've ever read Straight Bullets, you're going to know that at the end they're going to they're going to do something awful. You're spoiling what the pick is. I'm not because okay. it's coming up. Yeah. So there's spoilers. Read it's also it. the title of the show. Yeah, the title of the show. Yeah. Paul, you did this. I did do this. <laughs> um, I had the opportunity to make Stray Bullets uh, the pick before uh, with the number one issue of Stray Bullets Killers. And we went with Batman that week. And uh, Josh, you weren't here. I was talking to Connor and Allie about it. And I they were that. they were completely they they were mortified by this book, and that made me want to pick it even more <laughs> this time around. <laughs> I got um, good news, Paul. Yeah, we'll get to it. David Laugham, Stray Bullets, Killers Number Two. This is a great little slice of life book about a girl <laughs> who goes to spend uh, a nice week with her her aunt in 1986. In, um, where is it? It's Ocean City, Maryland. Sandcastle, Maryland, near Ocean City. November 1986. Set the time and the place. Great black and white comic book. I think the same renaissance that Josh is enjoying with, um, what's it called? What's your book? Minimum Ma- Wage. Minimum Wage. Yeah, we'll be talking I, about that later. I'm, ex- yeah, I'm experiencing that with Stray Bullets, which I, I had never read before. But I've read these two issues of this new series, and I have that uber alles edition of the first like 41 back from the 90s i never took german i'm assuming that's what uber alles that would be like super everything right like all it's super is, depressing su- it's super everything <laughs> it's, it's a big 
big, big book. And and yeah, so this so anyways, this is This book is so sad. This book is <laughs> is a bit sad. Um it's uh it there's a we've set a precedent that each issue ends with a grisly murder you know? or a grisly death, at least. And last, just last time to recap. And the, the cool thing about this, you can pick up this issue. You don't have to have picked up issue one. Um, this will make sense for you. Yeah, but I started then, digging around trying to find one and I couldn't. And then I, it occurred to me, I was like, I don't think I need to have that. No, they're all they're, they're one shots. They're, they're one shots. And that's sort of the thing here is that there were some great books this week. But this one, it took me to a place. It took me to that 1986 setting when I was two. And, <laughs> uh, You're only nine. I mean, let's not. But it also, it also, it's such a great self-contained story, and it it just delivered an an entire short story in the space of one issue, which is getting harder and harder for for you know comic writers to do. It's a really hard skill these days because of the way modern comics are written. They're not, you know, if you look at old book comics that did tell one shot stories, they were there was tons of dialogue balloons, tons of panels, and now with the decompressed style, it's really hard. Like you could, I mean, they say that, you know, the best adaptations to movie, it's not taking a novel and turning it into a feature film. It's take a short story because um, right. that's what you can sort of tackle in the space of a feature film. Josh, you could make a movie out of this. Yeah. Josh, didn't you read, you didn't, wasn't, I well, did. it wasn't just Ron. It was you also who read No, I, I read Stray Bullets for a while because Ron was effusive about it and I, I went for it. But was it one shots back then too? I think I think there were overarching. Yeah, there's a little uh, bit of interconnectivity, arcs. and there is, um, is here too. There is, yeah, yeah and there were some storylines. Uh, I think that sort of weaved in and out, but you could sort of take it, take an issue by row. And I thought that's weird how that issue ended like such a bummer. And then the next one, I was like, <laughs> that's it's weird how that ended like such a, a bummer. And and then with this one, I was I was like halfway through it, and I thought, God, maybe this will be the one where something goes right. I got like he fooled me, and I know the formula, but. Like there it was, right? I was like, he could have gone one way, but he he, he won't. There's won't unless I'm mistaken, the the boy in this that that young Virginia, the runaway, meets is the boy from the first issue, because he talks about losing his leg in a car accident and his dad died in that accident. Yeah. So that's that's the catastrophe from the last few pages of uh, the Killers Number One. I thought he died. I thought that boy died in the first issue. Well, he said. Well, he he got pretty messed up. Uh, unless it's like a pa- it's some kind of weird parallel that it's a boy like that. But it doesn't really. I, I feel oh, like it, at the end of the day, it doesn't. Really but he says matter. he doesn't remember the whole events of it. His dad died, and he lost his leg. And so it, you see this I this prosthetic like leg these- on the front cover, and yeah, yeah. I think and, that's the way these work. I, I I think that's that's how things are loosely connected to each other. But you don't you don't need to have have uh, yeah. gone on that no. journey. So so for this, it's it's basically the story of this this girl named Virginia, this teenager who has been missing, you know, for for about a year or six months or something like that. And she goes and and finds her for her aunt and stays with her. The aunt is is also kind of troubled. Uh, her husband has been living in the garage, basically. He has some some mental health issues, and he's staying out there. And there's this boy, this teenage boy, that comes and does you know yard work for her and gets the groceries and everything. But and also, she, their 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 kid died, and their kid died, right? Um, so that that sort of was the genesis of their because they used to be a happy couple and everything was super, and you know Virginia loved hanging out with them and everything. Yeah, and as dour as all this is, uh, maybe the the glimmer of hope that you saw in the middle of this issue, Josh, was that these these kids. Even though the girl was reluctant, you know, because her her aunt was basically setting her up with this guy, and she was reluctant to go with him, they end up having this connection, mm-hmm. 
And it's it's kind of interesting that this episode is going to be coming out on 420 because it's they're they're basically spending their time uh, smoking weed in a, in an arcade on the boardwalk. See, this is what's interesting is that like you when I'm thinking about this, one thing that I thought was really really well done is that these comics are kind of timeless. Like they take place in a certain time, but it didn't. Like Connor was talking about how comics are made today and how you know they're decompressed or whatever. Like this felt didn't feel old but it feels exactly the same as they used to like he tells things in a certain timeless way the way that he makes comics doesn't really it's not it's it's not hooked to a trend i suppose Mm -hmm. um and i so i thought really right away immediately like he set up the world he set up who all of these people are very quickly and elegantly i thought it was it was like instantly you kind of got a sense of who the girl was and 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 things changed for me when she pulled the knife for no reason Right. Yeah. The guy well, said, said, started well, not, sleeping under the bed. No, yeah, no, bed. that's, that's that true. Really but that's just got a thing. But then I realized that oh, she's going to turn that around and direct it outward. A guy who says one shitty thing to her and she's ready to stab him. I thought that's that's significant. Yeah, it's um, they set up this whole this whole world, but then also there's some things that I, I hopefully we'll see in another issue. See, that's yeah. really what made me dislike this issue more than the first one. Okay, and I didn't like this one as much as the first one. Is that there was a lot of lingering threads here. See, I don't know the, the, the format of the series, if, if she's going to be a character we see again or find out more about, or if this is the only time we ever meet her, but there's a lot of very specific things about her that are never explained, or even slightly, to hint at why she's... Well, I think it's, it's possible that they could go back and explore it. Even if they don't, though, I like the idea that yeah. characters have lives outside of what we're seeing in, in this story. There's that's how an, it always felt. Like, whenever I read issues in the past, I mean, that was... That's exactly what it always felt like. I thought that I had missed an issue beforehand, and now I realize it's just a technique. This is a this is a girl who has seen some things and done some things, and we see what that's done to her, like pulling the knife and sleeping under the bed and stuff. And I think we, I think the you know Laugham gives us just enough information to see what kind of trauma she's been through, and to, you know maybe you know we can implant some of you know our own experiences on that or, or our own ideas of you know, what's what's going on in her head. But then I just, there's enough also going on on the surface in terms of meeting this guy and their interaction. And I like the idea of sort of this this fleeting summer romance kind of thing, or, actually, or in this case, it would be a winter romance because it's November. But you know what I mean? Like it's two characters that have their own history, their own baggage, and they come together. And because they're of that same age, you know, age range, and they've seen some stuff, they, you know, have, you know, this chemistry. It was good. I mean, I, it just—it's really depressing, and and I thought this was less of a piece, a complete piece in the first one, but it's still—he's very, very, very good at this. Yeah, I mean, like the the, the craft was clearly right there on yeah. the table. It was, it was really elegant and economically done. For me, at the end of the day, I I, I don't want to read it. I, like, yeah. I, like that's—I was actually—I was listening to when you guys talked about it before, and, and I felt. You know, much the same way that that Connor did. Like I, I went through, and I went because I've been through this already with this series. You know, mm-hmm. and I just, I can't. I don't know the point. It's, it's very similar to um, the way I feel about Adrian to mine. Yeah. Okay, Adrian to mine. Like, like that. His lines are gorgeous. His character work is sparse and wonderful, and it's great. But at the end, it was just like life is pointless, and I just couldn't do it for that long. I'm, I'm actually, I gotta say, I'm, I'm really surprised that you like this as much as you do, Paul. But I. I get it. I mean, it's very good, but it, it, it I don't know. I can also you imagine that you were in a different place now, especially when you read this before than you, 
you know, with your family reading these kind of stories now. Yeah, I can see it being very subjective. But even then, I mean, I felt I felt the same way. No, now you, I, about- I recall you having that struggle before. Yeah. But I'm just saying, even now, it's probably oh, yeah. even worse that you just don't want to read nihilism for nihilism's sake. Yeah, I suppose. I I think there's a little bit more going on than than the nihilism, especially in this issue where you have the characters having a connection like that in the middle. It's sort of in in spite of just how I don't cool know that there is. I mean, if just is. remembering the old days. Of the old series, I don't remember there being any redeeming value in the book other than nihilism. And but. believe me, I, d- I don't want to read this. Like, I don't want all of my books to be like this. Your all of your stray bullets books will be like. <laughs> like I'm fine with that, all that, of my stray bullets books being okay. being like this. And I, and I and I love this. Isn't necessarily crime fiction, but it it goes into morality and 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 relationships and the way that the things that I like about cuz when I when I like crime fiction I like going into the criminal mind not necessarily like serial killers but I'm I'm less interested in procedure and like the detective work I'm more interested in why do we do the things that we do you know why do we make those choices and and I get that out of this so I think I think people should give it a try and I, you know cuz I, I I definitely want to read more of this so and I'm and I'm gradually working my way through that big omnibus of the, of the older stuff, and it's kind of yeah, like I, I found this treasure trove of stuff that I didn't know was for me, and for whatever reason, it's for me. That's cool. Did you find did you find that the old stuff is consistent with the newer stuff? Because it feels that way to me. But I haven't read the other stuff in such a long time. I th- yeah, I think it's you know I mean well you can you get to see sort of a different stage in his evolution yeah. as as a storyteller and as an artist, but. The tone is all still there. You had some good G.I. Joe issues a few years back. Just putting that out there. Is this the last Jason Aaron issue? We this is, this last is the last Jason Aaron issue. From okay. What he Amazing, Amazing X-Men number six. Although it, it threw me off because it, it is called part one in the beginning. So I didn't know if this was the last arc, but it feels very much like this a one-shot story also. Is it part one, book one, Men and X-Men? Men and X-Men exactly. at the end. So the last issue, Nightcrawler came back to our earthly plane from hell. And ended it brooding on the rooftops. And now this is the issue where he's actually back in the world and he's being welcomed back. There's a giant party at Harry's Hideaway, uh, the bar up, up in Salem by the by the school. And uh, all the X-Men are there. Even the black sheep Cyclops X-Men show up and make the party all tense. But they're all there. There's a lot of awkward moments like these. Plus there's an awkward family reunion where Mystique shows up. I never really understood making her his mother other than the fact they're both blue. But that's the case. And uh, I thought, you know, it was good. It was a, for a one-shot sort of wrap-up, assuming that's what it is. I thought it was full of great character moments. These are the kind of stuff that Jason Aaron excels at with the uh, everybody hanging around with a beer. I just feel like they should, make, they should make Jason Aaron like the closer. Like if people <laughs> don't know how to end their run, like bring him in and he'll know how to wrap things up. He's so good at a coda, mm-hmm. at sort of a bittersweet ending and, and just tying everything up and looking at those relationships. And this is really what it's all about. I mean, there's these big, you know, cataclysmic fights and everything and, and big ideas. But then, you know, how do these characters interrelate? I always like that family reunion kind of dynamic where, you know, Charles Xavier is kind of the dad and and he's gone at this point. And, you know, and then you have, you know, you have the older brothers trying to you know you know wolverine and cyclops you know scraping and and clawing at each other trying to figure out who's the new you know pack leader and nightcrawler is he has perspective on this because he you know he was like i saw i saw what you did scott i saw you do this from up on my cloud with my harp and everything and that's kind of an interesting place to explore 
it's it's an interesting place for a character to come back from and to have that. Well, he also he also met Charles in heaven, right? So he knows he talked to him, and mm-hmm. so it's like it was a whole thing, a lot of guilt trip in this one. You don't get to do that with every soap opera, you know. No. Like this is that's it's a very unique situation instead of circumstances. So I love you. You're not them, Charles. Sorry. I loved Cameron Stewart's blocky, boxy, boxer-like Wolverine. Yeah. He looked like he'd been punched in the face a lot, which I liked. That's what you want from a Wolverine. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he looked, it was more of the classic runt Wolverine than it is the modern-day Hugh Jackman-style Wolverine, and I liked that, uh, which, was, which was cool since he's such a major part of the story. But this was good. This was a really good wrap-up. Yeah, I, 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 I really wish that, that you know, and, and Aaron's going to be busy for, you know, the next few weeks and months working on Original Sin stuff. But I kind of wish I wish that he he would be there to follow through with this Nightcrawler story. Right. Um, because, uh, you know, that was an interesting place and he set up some, you know, interesting internal struggles. But, you know, I don't know how the next writer is going to, you know, pick up that baton and. And do it at, at, at you know satisfactory way, right? So speaking of satisfactory, Batman Thirty was the next issue in Zero Year in which we finally, finally, finally get to that world that we we saw the very first issue of Zero Year Thank in the world the world in which the Riddler is taken over Gotham is overgrown, and it was a nice little trick that it wasn't like it wasn't like a, you know Riddler's been taken over for a hundred years. It was that he used poison ivies technologies to overgrow Gotham with foliage and things. So it was, it was a nice little um, device, but we see the, the hellscape that Gotham has become in the wake of Riddler taking over and Batman waking up into it. And I thought this was great. I love, I really do love that this is the only real story that we are fulfilling the promise of these younger heroes, which was what the new 52 was supposed to have done way Mm. back when it started. I like seeing this Super young Bruce Wayne Batman trying to deal with all this stuff and trying to figure it out. I like that. It's interesting. And I like seeing him look like he's act. You know, if you look at all the other Batman books, and especially when it first started, he's supposed to be younger. He didn't look any younger than he always did. He always just looked like the old Batman. But this one, he actually does look like a kid, which I like yeah. a lot. And also his hair grew back, which I was happy about. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was a mistake. The hair I, that, that, yeah, that, that crew cut creeped me out. <laughs> like but this was good. I like this a lot. This is really I, good. I mean, Riddler playing dominoes with buildings. That, I mean, just big blockbustery kind of ideas while still. You only really get smart. to do that so many times, too. You're not really, you don't waste that one. No. Um, I actually really like this, and I know that uh, I've, out of all of us, this was the I was the guy who the story was getting a little long in the tooth for. But I like I got to the end of this, and I was like, all right, well, that was fun. Like that was like we got somewhere, and now we're doing a thing. And you know, I always like the opening chapters of sort of what world we're gonna go into, but. Uh, I'm always really impressed when people write the Riddler really well mm-hmm. because you have to, you know, his whole thing, I, and I love it. I love it that his whole thing is he just, somebody has to be smarter than me. I think that's really yeah. cool. I think that's like super egotastic. It's it's something that it's even like it, Lex Luthor could do a thing like that, but it like he hasn't, you know, that's not exactly his thing. Riddler's sort of playing a game with it, but he's so confident that nobody's going to. And then, you know, like the little scene where the guy was like, I have one for you. And he solved it instantly. I was like, oh, snap. You know, like it was just <laughs> I, I was really I think it's fun when people write that stuff well. And, and it's it's I guess it's a little easier when you know everything in the story. So you can you can um, you know, you can sort of make your character seem smarter than you are, I guess. But uh, I was impressed by it. I, I had fun with it. And I was like, all right, let's 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 uh, let's move on with this story. This is this is kind of cool. 
Yeah, so the Riddler's going to let Gotham go if someone can stump him with a riddle. Yeah. I no can't imagine. Can. And they try, and then they get into the rancor pit with them. Mm-hmm. And I like I like ragtag Batman. I like that, you know, the, the Batman we see at the end of this issue is someone who's cobbled together an outfit from materials on hand. And I, I like that spirit of he's, he's not going to be defeated no matter what. But he's got to deal with what he's got around him. He doesn't have his bat cave. He doesn't have his gadgets. He's got a bunch of – I'm trying to look at his bunch of ropes and shit. It just refre- it's refreshing to see Gotham portrayed in a different way. Cause Is that an axe he's got attached to him? Definitely has a knife He's a Swiss to Army Batman basically. Yeah. He's got it. I like that. I like grizzled bearded Gordon who's <laughs> trying to lead the resistance with of the soldiers who's parachuted in. I thought this was great. I just love and and your those crazy colors that are are still around the really really sort of garish blues and oranges but they really work for this bright pinks neon greens I, I I like the question mark logo with the, you know with the eye and you know it's very kind of great Gatsby it's it's, uh, it's cool yeah, yeah very cool it was a really I thought it was a really good issue a really so I, capable competent Riddler we've seen him yeah. portrayed in a number of different I, lights so I really did like the period when he was the reformed detective guy I actually yeah that was really interesting that. that was fun. But you know, you know, Paul Denny, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was that was actually really that was one of my favorite. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't really have a thing for the Riddler one way or another. So I didn't re- know they were relaunching Hulk, but they did this week. Hulk number one, Mark Wade, and with Mark Bagley this time on art. Well, th- this leads to a question because I saw that and I thought oh, maybe this is a good chance to get rid of some books because I was reading a lot of them, a sort of mm-hmm. uncomfortable amount, and I I, I saw you know Bagley doesn't really excite me. So I didn't read it. So let me know, did I blow it or not? And I don't, well, again, not a big Hulk fan. Well, it depends on how invested you were in the story that they were telling. Because it's the continue. It's, it, the last issue ended on a cliffhanger of Bruce Banner getting shot in the back of the head. I do not. And as we know in the Marvel universe, much like Clint Barton, you can you can wait on that wound for for months and months. <laughs> It'll keep. All right, don't worry about it. We'll just wrap. So that it up depends on how moment. invested you were. I think you know it's basically the same. The next issue of this story in which. Uh, a doctor, a specialist has been brought in to save him, a, a surgeon, and he turns out he's a classmate of Bruce's, so you get a lot of flashback to them as, in college. There's actually a lot of setup here, since it is quote-unquote number one issue, you get sort of the re- recapping of the origin through the eyes of his classmate who watched it all happen through the media, knowing it was his it was his sort of sort of friend. Yeah, they didn't know if it was like an animal that got irradiated and that turned into the Hulk, and then they find out, oh, it's, it's Bruce Banner, and is that, I know is that, that public guy. knowledge? I think in the Marvel Universe it is, yeah. That's why everybody's sort of freaked out when they hear his name. It was interesting, and there's a lot of shady business here. You don't, you know, There's a lot of shady characters. We don't know who, who, who ordered the shooting, who pulled this trigger. There's, it looks like a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. But the, the gist of it is that the Hulk wakes up in the middle of the surgery with a giant hole in the back of his head with his brain sort of hanging out and uh, f- frees himself. And we find later that uh, Coulson and Agent Hill find Bruce Banner who is now basically functionally... It's sort of like he had a stroke. <laughs> really bad stroke. Yeah. And like the last, you know, that the cliffhanger is, you know, this doctor, you know, showing them to to where Bruce is. And Bruce is at a blackboard and he's trying to write his alphabet. And yeah. there's a there's like a woman next to him with flashcards, like C is for cat and stuff. And and the doctor basically says, well, I don't know how smart he was before, but he's never going to be smart again. I, th- I thought the way that Bagley portrayed that was a little bit crass. It just it seemed, you know, I don't, I don't know. It, In what way? 
I, I'm not I'm not a big fan of of Bagley's art overall. Right. I thought that that moment was a little bit over exaggerated, and Ooh. it's just <laughs> like like sort of like you know tongue sticking out the side of his mouth, kind of they're kind of stupid. He doesn't have a tongue sticking out of his mouth. That's that, but that's the impression that it gives. It's like that. That's the the exaggeration of the of the expression. I think. But he seems to have a sort of beatific expression, which is somewhat common in this scenario. Okay. I just think you don't like Bagley. I I don't. I I like his Hulk in times. At times I don't. It's hit and miss. Uh, He's not the best guy for this story. But uh, sometimes I really liked his Hulk. Other times I didn't. So it's kind of what you get. It's interesting the the strategy for relaunching this with a much more mainstream artist on it. We had a lot of interesting art on it for a while. There's some really interesting artists on it. I mean, Simonson was on there. That's what sort of turned me off. Mateo Scalera. Yeah, the shadowy guy looks like a cigarette smoking man from the X-Files, actually. But I do like the story a lot. I like Mark Wade's take on Bruce Banner a lot. It's similar inventive, inventively as a Daredevil, you know, where he explores different things he wouldn't have thought of. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to stick with this for a little while, but we'll see where it goes. I yeah, can't, it's, it's sort of like it's all about my, my faith in, in Wade because I've, I've enjoyed everything that he's been writing lately. But I can't say that this delivered in the same way that Daredevil has. And, and, and I'm trying to think even divorced from the Bagley art, which didn't really do it for me. Or totally yeah. didn't do it for me. Right. So I wanted to talk again about the Shadow Hero uh, number three. They're doing something interesting with this from first second. This is from Gene Luen Yang and Sunny Liu uh, is the artist. You might know Gene Luen Yang from American, American Born Chinese, Level Up, Boxers and Saints. And he's a really great writer, writes about the immigrant experience. And this is an interesting way of looking at superheroes through the lens of the immigrant experience. I know that's, that's so sort of tangled up in that fr- from Superman as the Cosmic Moses story. And this is like a, this is going to be a graphic novel released in July, I believe, but they're releasing chapters of it, basically issue length chunks of it digitally uh, from first second. And you can get that for like your Kindle or, you know, your iPhone or whatever. But anyways, this is the third issue. And I think what's, what's really fun about this is that it's a guy who in during the golden age who doesn't have superpowers and his mom really wants him to be a superhero in the way that a lot of domineering mothers want you to be like a doctor or a lawyer or something it's like I, i'm she's like i'm really enamored of this this superhero idea and in the previous issue she even tried to get him like to go into like radioactive waste to develop powers and stuff because she'd over over her mom. that a lot of superheroes had done that and in this one, he gets involved with the like basically the the Chinatown mob. Uh, this guy called Mock Beak, sort of like a he's kind of like a uh, a Bruce Lee villain. Like he's got like claw fingers and stuff. And he's just uh, his his dad, who runs a grocery store, uh, is in trouble with with you know owing money to these mobster guys. And and now, even though he doesn't have superpowers, and even though he's reluctant about becoming a superhero, now he has a cause. And his dad, unfortunately, gets gets killed because of his, his mob involvement. And now we're getting into the call to action phase. And it's really good. And I really like the art. I think I compared it to like the, the art in Chu. It's that hyper exaggerated kind of style. And uh, Sonny Liu's really good with action sequences. And uh, it's fun. I, uh, I really like the first issue. I just I forgot to read these two. It's okay. this one. I, I have them right here in my desktop. <laughs> Yeah, I saw the script. I was like, "Fuck!" I forgot issue something. two is is really fun. Uh, this this is issue three. Issue two is really fun because that's the one where his mom is like, 
well, wait, you don't have superpowers, but how can I get superpowers for you? Right. She's just really bent on on doing that. <laughs> it's a really interesting and unusual take on the superhero experience. You don't often have the parent. Well, it's not everyone occasionally, sort of. In, I guess in the legacy characters, you'd have the parents pushing them into Watchmen. Yeah, Watchmen specifically, but also like Black Canary. But that's basically Watchmen. But mm-hmm. and it's it is all a, some, mostly unusual. In terms and it's of all the, attached to yeah, it's all attached to like Chinese mythology too, because this is based on a, an actual Golden Age property called uh, Green Turtle. And that character got his powers through his shadow, which was like a a Chinese spirit creature that, that sort of like took on his, his shadow. Uh, in in this issue, uh, our, our character Hank uh, inherits that shadow from his father, who was originally from China, and brought that over to uh, to the West to uh, to California. So it's 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 great, really thoughtful book. Where can people get these issues now until the trade comes out? Uh, you go to go to first second uh, first second's website, and you'll be able to find it there. They have a directory of all the uh, digital issues. Are they, they come out the on, on Mondays. You can get it. Uh, you can get it for the Kindle, for Apple devices, all that stuff. Perfect. So if you have a Kindle and you want to check it out, go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon. I'm sure you can find it through there. Get it on your Kindle device. Read along with the Shadow Hero. I love the first issue, so I'm really excited to read the next two. But look forward to that. Or if you're a more of a paper person, that trade will be coming out later on, and you'll be able to check that out. Gene Luen Yang does fantastic, fantastic uh, books. Mm-hmm. Josh, wasn't American Born Chinese one of our books of the month? I don't. Was it? I believe or it was, was yours. I think it was. I think it was. It, if it was, I think it was before that. I think it was just one of the first graphic novels that we did on the video show. That could be it too. I think it was like we were of- was we started this. Uh, spotlight stuff, and that was one of the first ones. A lot of content over the years, but I definitely know. I, I know we definitely uh, spotlighted it. That's yeah, no, I, I love it. I think it's a wonderful book. I think uh, I've read. Uh, what's another? There was another one. I don't remember the Love name of it. It was about a. No, it was about a guy who uh, who had like like sentient boogers or something like that. Something <laughs> something King Geek or I don't know. It was real good. Go to ifanboy.com slash Amazon. Search his name. Find all of his books. They're fantastic. You get and the first issue for ninety nine cents. That Kindle. also helps us out by giving us a little piece of the sale. Keeps the lights on. In addition to that, go to ifanboy.com slash registration, and for $3 a month or $30 a year, or for any amount you want to donate, you can help us out directly. And we appreciate everyone who goes through those steps to help iFanboy keep going. And now, in American Vampire, second cycle number two, we learned that Jason Aaron is a member of the Vampire <laughs> Defense League, or whatever that acronym stands for. Uh, VPNs, right? No, VPN is... A that's that's a different camera. thing. That's IT. Yeah. So on this issue, uh, I, this was very David Lynchian, it's very, sort of in the um, okay, I can see it in the uh, fact that they are communicating their information via wardrobe, the color and the style and what's on the the jacket, the guy, the musician's jacket playing at the the uh, Ryman. Where's he playing? The Lyman Auditorium. That was very similar to the opening of Fire Walk with Me, which was, I, even as a kid I thought was a very inefficient way of communicating information. But uh, that scene haunts me still to this day. Anyway, this was great. It really was. I actually read the uh, – I just got caught up uh, and I read the two issues sort of together. <laughs> but I liked this direction. I liked what was going on. I liked the feel. I, I thought – I don't know. I was just – I was all in. I read the two issues without without sort of stopping. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm totally ready for more. Uh, it, was, it was a real nice return to form. Uh, and yes. I know I'm sort of speaking about some of the stuff that you already, already talked about. But, uh, but no, it's – I like the tension at the end when, in which uh, the gray trader's identity is revealed 
through a very uh, violent confrontation, and yeah, it's it's a scary book. He's scary. Yeah, it was creepy. There, there are that, a lot of ways to do vampires. You can do sexy, shiny vampires. You can do you know pale, gross. You know, remind you of death vampires. Out and out, scary, gory splasher vampires. These guys do just unsettling, creepy yeah, vampires. Yeah, but you know, one of the things I notice is that, you know, this book has slowly gotten to the point where the humans are the antagonists a lot of the time, like yeah. in this book. Like, the, like, like you're at this point, you are relating to the, to the vampires who are ostracized, mm-hmm. which, is, which is interesting. You know, I don't think it started out that way, but I realize that here's where we're at because, you know, Pearl's a nice lady. Other than right. when she sticks her face out like that. But that, it was funny, though, because she was like, I've got a place for you to go uh, to live with this nest. And I just thought, what kid? The kids aren't going to want to go to that. It's, it's called a nest. Don't call something that. Yeah. Yeah. If you like tongue in it, you'll like this book. Yeah. VMS. What does VMS stand for? I forgot. Empire, Empire Magistrates, yeah, yeah. Society. Sure. Work here anymore. Man, management, Society. I get so many acronyms in my head, I can't possibly... Anyway, yeah. Jason Aaron's a member. Of, he's in that he's, he's crowd scene. Of course, he did a good in that anthology thing. He did a really yes. good Roanoke vampire story. This week, we also learned that Thor, the God of Thunder's greatest enemy, is in fact Eternius. <laughs> the face. enemy he cannot defeat is the lawyer. His face when he gets the when he gets to that subpoena, his face was wonderful. <laughs> it was great. It was. You know, this is going to sound like a complaint, I guess, but. It's strange. It's. I thought this was very well done. I enjoyed reading it. It all tracked really well. Characterization, all that stuff. Art, wonderful. The end of the day, I was kind of like, I, I don't know if I want Thor fighting a corporation. Like, it's a. It's a fine aside, I suppose. But like, it was a little. I don't know. I just. I was like, it, doesn't, it didn't. Didn't sit right with me. I guess. Um, well, I think, I think he's done a, a nice, diverse range of yeah, kinds of Thor stories. Totally. So and and I and I absolutely. I, I like the attempt. I like the you know at the, at the end of the day, I'm the, I don't think I'm going to look back at this and be like, oh, that that one where he fought the rocks on guy was was great. And listen, I like, though, I like seeing a villain he can't beat by hitting with his hammer. That's true. Yeah, no, that makes and sense. Frust- and the frustration that he feels not being able to hit it with his hammer and just to just win. He's and obviously, it's a it's a it's a you know it's a hell of a metaphor, really. So right. I like that he's hugely wealthy. He's like you can have all the gold in the vaults of Asgard or Asgardia and just take it. And it's like, we can either settle it that way or with some Uru metal, meaning his hammer. And even listen, even, even if you don't like that, you know, that metaphor or that, or or that particular storyline, this same issue, you get old King Thor versus Galactus or old Galactus. Thor gets punched through the earth and into the moon. Punched through the earth into the moon and cracks the moon. It's awesome. That, that old gag. I liked that moon. (laughs) That old gag? I, I will never, ever get tired of old King Thor. It's just something that I love. And, and bringing Galactus into it, and especially the way that, that Rubik draws Galactus. Is, I don't know how Rubik didn't get an Eisner nomination, but let's... Oh, yeah, that's kind let's of... Not go, mm, let's not go into that. Mm. Minimum wage number four, Josh. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have a hell of a lot because we've talked about this a couple of times already. I think it's like my favorite book right now. Mm-hmm. That's that's basically what I'm getting to. I'm four issues into this. I had read the the whole anthology, not anthology, but the collection of all the stories that had come before the maximum minimum wage, and like I think I get more excited for this book than I do any other book in my my stack. I saw it was on the list this week, and I was like, all right, like I was I was super excited, and you know, it, it's a certain style. It's it's sort of like it's like a juvenile raunchy 
uh, sort of, and it's it's definitely got a stylistic thing to it that you may or may not like, but it 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 just uh, makes me happy every time I read it. Like I, I just I want to know what's going to happen to Rob yet. I couldn't put the other book down. I just I just read it nonstop, and I and I like this because it actually is a progression of where he left off. You don't need to have read the other stuff before, but it, it does help. And there is a fantastic Bill Sienkiewicz pinup in the back of this one. It's it's also a, a butt. It's a shot of a butt. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I caught up in Miss Marvel this week. Oh yeah, it's awesome. I'm really glad. It's a book really cool awesome. book. Wow. It, this is, it's basically a teen drama. It is. And there's very little superhero heroics. I mean, it is her origin story. It's sort of the ultimate Spider-Man style six issue, you know, intro to her character. But even then, it's still basically just a teen drama. A 16 year old Pakistani girl in Jersey City gets Terrigen Mist superpowers. And having to deal with that in her school, her hand gets really big and she has to run into the gym to hide it. Ends up cr- crushing all the uh, lockers and things. And it's really good. Plus, it's really interesting exploration of cultural differences and that she's Pakistani and Muslim. And, and she has to deal with the, the, the tension of that every day. This is a wonderful book. That's great. And and the Adrian Alfano art, I mean, it's, it's great. It, it, in, in places, it looks like it's, you know, illustrations for uh, a really colorful children's book. Yeah, that I feel like I would have got. Like yeah, that I would have gotten out of the library like a million times or something. This this is also a cool issue because we we go into a. Uh, it's not it's not referred to as a mosque. It's a majid, or I'm I'm unfamiliar with the term, but it's, it's there for the, they they go for a lecture from the sheik who's there, and the girls are all on one side, and there's there's a separation in there between where all the men are, and. She voices her, you know, her concern that like it would be much easier to have a conversation or to pay attention and not be on our phones because you see some of them like fiddling with their smartphones. If we could be on the other side with the guys, and it was interesting to like we we see the conversation from the other angle, like why you know why don't you let your women drive or like that that stuff to actually see it from inside that community and talk about this, you know, why you know talking about reform and, and that kind of thing. It's, it's really interesting, and it's and it's something that uh, we don't get to see explored from that angle a lot. And yeah, I just I think it's a I think it's a great teen drama, and it's sort of in the way that like Stephen King's Carrie was a great story about you know coming of age and um, you know sexual awakening and stuff. This is a this is a great metaphor for teenage anxieties. And um, like Carrie, this one with a little bit of blood. Yeah, she uh, she she. Does well. This is her actually her second act of super heroics, really, yeah. where she comes in on it. And it's it's. I like that it's. I like that it's small scale. It's not like she she's not coming in on a scroll invasion. It's no. she's walking in on, you know, a holdup at a at a Circle K. Right. Convenience store robberies can often kill favorite characters, so you always have to be careful about those. Josh, I think you'd really like this book. All right. You don't have to. I'm, I'm, I'm saying trying to get were, rid of books here. I can't. No, this, this, this one's this one's special though. This is there's a lot of books that are great, but they're also a dime a dozen. This book is just there's nothing really like okay, this. That's that's a that's a very good way to put it to to make me interested. That's cool. Right, much um, like Mercenary C is. Are you guys still reading this? Yes, of course I am. You just so good. Yes, this uh, Mercenary C <laughs> from is a third issue from Image Comics by two people who I've never heard of, and they're doing this like. Kel uh, Simons and Matthew Reynolds. Yeah, they're doing this race Bannon story, but with World War II submarines, and there's a little yeah. Han Solo, and this is the issue where, like, y- y- it gets real, I suppose, um, where we're like, no, no, 
they're in the middle of the of the the World War II conflict, and and the Japanese well, are very after World War II. We're yeah, World War II. well, we're in the the Chinese the ja- Chinese between Japanese the, the yeah Chinese Japanese War, but you know there's uh, like thirty nine su- or something like that. I think summary. It doesn't matter. It was bad time for to be in the South Pacific, and <laughs> and we all knew which way the wind was blowing, and and this is. I don't know. This is the one where it became like the last couple pages. I was like, "Oh, this is this is real. They're gonna make it be in this world," and they sort of grounded it. It's just like this was uh, this was a there was this like a submarine chase in the comic book uh, where like they're like, "Shh, don't talk," because they can hear you with sonar and super fun. You know, great. Just the the look is consistent and fun. And if if you listen to us talk about this before and you weren't sure about it, like keep go back and get them or keep going. It's it's wonderful. I want everyone to read this so that we can keep reading it. Yeah, I agree. Because. Looking it's, through the periscope and. Great visuals in here. Oh, look at the look at the cover. Like, look at the 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 one uh, scuba diver coming straight at us in the lower right. I love that. It's great. Yeah, yeah. this play, this takes place in 1938, leading up to the war. I mean, the, all the pieces on the table for the war to break out, especially in the Pacific. But this is it's wonderful in that ragtag old war movie style, in which there's a different member of every race or or yeah. uh, geographic area in the in the team. There's the Brooklyn guy, and it's great. I love it. Well, just just the first just the first page here. South China Sea, two hundred sixty miles south of Hong Kong. Log of the venture en route to a coastal fishing village in the Guangdong province to rendezvous with a British spy, codenamed Top Hat, trapped behind enemy lines after the Japanese took Shanghai. How can you not? I mean, that's just it's it's it's. I'm so glad. I thought you guys were going to be like, oh, you know, what? I dropped no. off of that. And uh, why would you think that? <laughs> this is everything we love. <laughs> I know, but you know, I'm so glad. That's all. Thank you. Yeah, very, you know, very, very, very Johnny Quest. Very, yeah. yeah. So those are the books we're going to talk about this week. All right, go to ifimo.com. Tell us how much you also love the mercenary scene. If you don't, then you're a jerk. Meanwhile, <laughs> Just like Professor X. Right. Meanwhile, let's go to uh, an audience question. Hey, guys. This is Matt calling from Long Island, your old pal. And I was just coming out of Winter Soldier, and uh, I was so hooked on Cap that I was like, I can't wait to read the Brubaker run, but... I feel like I need some foundation before I get to that. So what runs of cap would you recommend that I, uh, that I check out before I, uh, go deep diving into the Brubaker era. So, uh, thanks so much for the show. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Oh, it's our old friend, Matt. Oh, Hey, how's it been? How's how's your, um, how's your mother? (laughs) Jesus. I hope you're doing well. He doesn't need to Where do we know? read anything about the Brubaker run. No. I don't think. Jump right in. Yeah. There's lots of great cap runs, but you don't need to read any of them. For but, the I think, but I think this is a good question because yes. I feel like so much, so much of the great Captain America stories that have come since then, it's all, it's all sort of the epicenter is that Brubaker run. Well, yeah. I feel like. And so, so, I, so not being a cap guy in particular – I don't. I don't know the answer to this question. I don't know about things before this. I know tons of things afterwards, like the the Winter Soldier book that's going on right now. That's really fun, and it's it's it doesn't have Cap in it. It's got other Shield agents, and it's set in like the '60s, and it's you know it's Remender doing you know a James Bond awesome. kind of story, and it's really fun. I um, mean, it's and it's a Winter Soldier story, but Cap before that, I don't really know. Well, there's a reason for that. And it was because it was terrible. No, that's not true. I, no, I mean, not, 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 not forever. But wasn't but, he a werewolf at one point? Like that was werecap. That was a dark time. That doesn't count. But that uh, sounds no. great. That was in the nineties. Like, like specifically when Brubaker came on, that was a reboot of sorts. 
Not and a rebirth was, for Cap, really. Yeah, I mean, you could start at that point. I don't mean to say that everything that came before that was crap because it's not true, but I'm saying directly preceding that, there had been some stories. I want to say John Nay Reber and, John, and, and uh, John Cassidy yeah. uh, had done a series that was really pretty, but ultimately completely unmemorable. Yeah. And they just stopped it. Like, it the just. Th- it, they hadn't figured out how to do Cap in the modern world really until Brubaker. And by modern world, I mean like the 2000s. If you love Winter Soldier and you want more of that, I mean, you've got literally years and years of that Brubaker and forward Cap world to dive into. uh, But if you really want more, and the thing is you don't need foundation. You just need to know who Cap is. And they tell you anyway all the information you need. But if you want stories and things, a lot of it's not collected, but there is a collection of the Mark Wade run, which was really the first modern cap rebirth rebirth it just sentinel of liberty or was that just the run sentinel of, the of liberty yeah. no the, i think the trades call sentinel of liberty either way you can look for it online captain america by mark wade was the let's figure him out again because he had he had been wearing an armor suit before that they that was the the attempt to make him 90s and cool was to give him an armored suit and Ugh. mark wade just got rid of all that as he as he's wont to do and just went back to basics and told really great cap stories with ron garney on art until heroes Reborn happened, and they took the book away to give it to And then when that debacle ended, he came back for a little while. It was good, but not as great as before. So if you're looking for an old Cap run, and it was a book of the month choice a while back for us, Captain America by Mark Wade is a great one. But really, you only need the modern Brubaker stuff if you really want to get, jump into those stories. And that's the one's going to feel the most like the movie anyway, because the movie is pretty much based on that first couple it, of trades. Yeah. Or at least the tidbits. From, I mean, here's the thing. like. Yeah. I like Captain America a lot. I, I always have. I had gone in to try to read a bunch of different versions of it, and I kept getting burned up to the point that when the Brubaker run started, I didn't read it. Yeah. Because I was like, I just I don't want to keep trying that again. And then Connor got me the first trade or two, I think. And, and first like, two. Yeah. For- and first and I, you know, instantly I was like, this is this is like the best superhero story I've read in years, and it still is. It is. It's my favorite superhero story. You know of that. You know, sort of ten year period, specifically the first twenty five issues, and then then Bucky becomes Cap for a while. And uh, spoiler, it's less interesting in that same way, but it's less good. But it's still really interesting. And I mean, the only other thing that I would suggest is that there were things here and there that were really good. One of my favorite things that came out of that was there was a little mini series called Captain America and Bucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Chris Somney drew it for a bit. Yeah, before and Fran- they had Frankovia did too. Yeah, uh, wonderful. Didn't really get talked about very much. Didn't really get noticed. Like stories about them in World War II. So that would be another one that I would say you definitely should look into. But it's really, it's, it's specifically purpose-built to just start reading at uh, The Winter Soldier and Red Menace. Uh, those are the storylines. Right. Captain America Operation Rebirth is the name of the collection from Mark Wade and Ron Garney. And it's, it's, it's a pretty hefty collection, 237 pages. It's totally worth it. If you're looking for more Cap stories, aren't necessarily like that the modern version more of a superhero cap but still bring him into the modern world i definitely recommend those that but you know grunewald did great work on cap in the 90s yeah that's why i really kieran dwyer on art was wonderful crossbones and diamondback and all those stories serpent society but you're not really going to find those collected it's going to be hard to track those down you don't and you don't really need to read them unless you you there was the captain in those that was when steve once again right. threw, threw off the mantle and he, he put on the suit that became the u.s agent suit later and and, and then u.s agent became captain america and he was the I, captain and he wore when black i was suit. 11 i thought that was the greatest thing i know there was like the black bucky and it was like their attempts at doing racial comment 
because his name was Bucky and and he was like as strong and as big as Cap and that stuff was awesome or at least in my memory it was and I'm afraid to read it. No, I think they still are. I looked through a couple, but the thing is, ultimately, I would just say get the Wade run, get the Brubaker run, and you're all set. Just get the the Brubaker. The first twenty five issues are just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. This is twenty five or fifty? Twenty five. Well, the first, 25. the first sort of, sort of omnibus, if you were to buy it, is twenty five. Twenty five, right? That's the that's uh, a great two year run of Cap that was just amazing. And, and when, that, when that was happening, it was if not the best book, one of the best books being published in all of comics. Yeah, and, and it worked as a, as a whole. And, and the other the other thing, the other side of it is that that uh, Steve Epting and I want to say Frank Martin on colors. Does that sound right? Sounds um, right. Like as a whole package, it was it was wonderful. I mean, you want to talk about being a rebirth? It wasn't really a rebirth for for um, Brubaker because he was sort of that was that was sort of the nadir of, of sort of the work that he was doing in, in superheroes. But it was a rebirth of Captain. It was a rebirth of Steve Epting, who had been a sort of average to lackluster superhero. So if you look yeah, at stuff that Steve Epting used to do, his old Avengers to, work wasn't very good. Oh, and Michael Lark. Michael Lark did yeah. all the World War Two uh, flashbacks in it. It's just it's just a gorgeous book. It was as good as anything Marvel did in that whole decade. Did you yeah. read that stuff, uh, Paul, when it was coming out, or or I didn't read it when it when it was coming out, but I've I've read it since then. And you're going to back us up here, right? Yeah, it's good. I think we would also <laughs> recommend Band of Brothers. <laughs> That's well, true. We would. You're not, you're not wrong. Great, I mean, I would recommend that just regardless. You don't really need a. It's, not, it's unconditional. Not to not to put you guys on the spot. But probably people are are also interested in the Falcons. Their stories where Falcon is well represented. Yeah. Is well, Falcon is Falcons in the record run a bit? Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. he's. I think he was all over that Grunwald era stuff too. Yeah, I think he's comparable to the Falcon in the movie, also in that stuff. Yeah. Great character. Really, if you're coming out of that movie, you're jazzed about Captain America, but you weren't really a Captain America fan. You want to read more? Get those Brubaker trades or the collections or the issues or however. Those are the ones you're going to want to read. Yeah. I'd also say if you're interested in Falcon, in addition to those comics, I would check out the Silverhawks. <laughs> it's a great animated series from the '80s. <laughs> well, I don't it know. Was. If, I don't know if I agree with your police work there, there, Lou. <laughs> Josh, just real quick, since you didn't get to do the show, you just saw the movie. What did you think of the movie? I thought it was wonderful. I really enjoyed the heck out of that movie. I just listened to your guys' show about it, and I'm down with all of the things that you said. For me, it's a long movie, 215, something like that, and never mm-hmm. did it feel like that for a second. It was just big and like really good character work, and, and it might be my favorite. You know, I, like The thing is, like I was thinking about it. I haven't seen – I haven't watched The Avengers since I saw it in the theater that one time. Oh, really? Oh, really? Nope. It's yeah, on Netflix no, I, streaming if you want to check it out. I know. I, so are lots of other things like <laughs> documentaries about bands that I'm more likely to watch than that, which is just – that's me. I'm not saying it's bad. Obviously, I enjoyed it, but I haven't seen it since then. So I've, I've watched each of them as they come out, and they're fine. Uh, you know, I think Captain America is the only one that I've watched other than the first Iron Man movie, maybe more than once. But it was, you know, it was all visualized really, really well, and it was super cool to watch him use the shield. And uh, you know, like it did the character – great i thought it was it was really it was a wonderful flick it was super fun i really like the ensemble that they build up and i thought falcon was wonderful Falcon's falcon great Black the whole Widow time was i was really thinking falcon you just did with falcon what you were supposed to do with hawkeye yeah uh, you yeah. know and they're not they're not similar characters but they're both they're both cap sidekicks to a certain extent and i think you guys had made a point to, about how they managed to give all these characters personality and the one character they didn't give any personality to was hawkeye who is all personality hawkeye's <laughs> he, he's not to get off a tangent, but he's the, really the only character they've really totally kind of not done well. No, they didn't. It, and it didn't it. help his role in Avengers is like a zombie for a really long yeah. period of time. So yeah, but you and, just think about it, like that would have worked better 
if he'd had a big, a big bombastic personality, yes. that would have been no, more absolutely. entertaining to have him be, you know, mind controlled. And then, and then what he's like after he gets out of it, uh, I don't understand it. I don't know if they thought, oh well, we don't want to have too much charisma on the screen. Yeah, I actually, so supposedly look- he's got a bigger role in the second Avengers movie, and maybe we'll, we'll get more. But it's really the one they've not Serious cast well. And, yeah. Although he can be goofy. If you see him on Saturday Night Live, he can do that. But that's not yeah. the character they, they've thought, created here. I thought he was – I mean I thought Jeremy Renner was the unsung hero of American Hustle. I don't feel like anybody ever mentioned him and he was great. Yes, he was wonderful at American Hustle. And I don't – I haven't historically liked him very much just because I find him so super serious. So he was always a weird choice for me for Hawkeye because, you know – you know, we've talked about how great their casting is and how great their character work is, but he's probably the only character that they've really not nailed. In that same sense, like I thought Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson was really wonderful. I was, and I was, you guys kind of talked about it, but I was really glad that they didn't turn that into a romance. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was, it was, I thought it was much more satisfying that it didn't, and they're, they're sort of peers. Absolutely. And that's cool. Yeah. And also, I had just seen Don John, I think the night before that. Oh, Don John is great. I have it I sitting like right it. here. You didn't like it? No, I didn't. I and and I you know I thought what was interesting is that they made her complete like I completely didn't like her in that movie and then the next day I go and I was like I love her in this movie not that she was bad her character was I thought oh her character's awful right I was like that's amazing that they made her I'm like she's got range yeah so thanks for the question Mike Matt Mike our old friend Mike our Matt. old friend <laughs> uh, Bill no uh, <laughs> man. How's uh, your How's your mother? You can do like Matt did and you call us at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. Leave us a voicemail. Tell us where you're from, who you are. Keep it around 30 seconds. Uh, or you can uh, send us an email at contact.ifanboy.com and get your questions or thoughts on the show. Paul, you're doing Mad Men. Yeah, we're doing Mad Men now. We're doing episode by episode on uh, on Mad Men on uh, the Fuzzy Typewriter podcast. Just go to fuzzytypewriter.com. So each Monday evening, uh, we'll talk about the episode from the night before. And I'm glad that it's only seven episodes this time. <laughs> Justified really at 13 episodes. Out. Man. <laughs> but these are a lot of fun, and I'm doing those with Rebecca Shinsky from Book Rageous and Book Riot. Oh, my God. It was so good. Sorry. Mad Men? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It was fun. California. You a lot of like people are talking about your Game of Thrones. Whatever. That's fine. But California Pete Campbell all day. I will take that. And his pants and his big smile. His, hair, his crazy hairline, yeah. Oh. It's, it's been great. And we mentioned before, we did a special edition podcast on Captain America, The Winter Soldier, which you can check out on our feed a couple shows back, where you can hear me and Paul and Jeff Kanata talk about the film, which we love so much, and kill time until Amazing Spider-Man in about two weeks. Speaking of killing time. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the last one just fine. I'm not ever going to watch I haven't, it. I haven't watched it since the theater, and I'm yeah. scared to. But you don't need to. Amazing Spider-Man? Yeah, so I don't you know. can ch- we'll be back for that. Probably. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, until then, uh, you can listen to Cap- Captain America show. In the meantime, head over to FMW.com, comment on this show, talk about the Captain America show. You can't talk about the Mad Men show, but you can talk about all the comic shows we do. You can talk about the Mad Men show if you want. <laughs> sure. Why not? Talk about anything you want in don't, the comments. Well, don't spoil anything for anybody. Right. And that's where you can find all of our other podcasts and uh, talk about this week's books and all that fun stuff. And uh, you can you can follow us on Twitter.com slash iFanboy and Facebook.com slash iFanboy to find out what the pick of the week is before the show. And you can follow us all individually on Twitter at J.A. Flanagan, C.S. Kilpatrick, and Fuzzy Typewriter. You can guess where each of all those go. I'm J.A. Flanagan. Yeah, I know. It's my interesting ongoing fan fiction that I'm doing. <laughs> you made this. Oh, man, I can't sleep. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that would suck. Uh, <laughs> finally, you can write us a review in the iTunes. Have anybody looked to see how many there are? Did we? 
No, I haven't. Past a thousand? I checked daily. No, check out. Check out early. Or you can uh, do the thing that we that is probably just as effective or more so, and uh, just let people know about it. You like something, you hear something you like, share it with people you know, either digitally or old-fashioned word of mouth. That would be fine. Um, that would be very helpful. Or I think, or who are we on now? Your grandmother? Tell your grandma about it. Tell your grandma. We want a grandma voicemail. All right. That's what they're lovely said. boys. They're very nice. I don't know what they're talking about. Who is the Red Skull? We're at nine hundred and forty-seven. By the way. It, you're out there listening. Kind of lame. I need. We need 53 of you to step up. I don't think it's too much to ask. I've been doing this for years. 947, really? 947. Average. Here we go. By average of five stars. That's mm. not. That's not an aberration. That can't be a statistical anomaly. No. Truth will out. Is all I'm saying. So you know, you were you were here for it. You knew. So 53 of you. Is that how many? 53. 53. Yep. Three of you need to go on there, write a quick review. It doesn't have to be a, an essay or a novel or a Russian novel. It just has Can to I be just a... Say, that is an absurd number. Yeah. There are 947 reviews. How many does it have? Thank you. <laughs> also, it says copyright 2005, so why don't you do a little math on that one? <laughs> All right. Till next week, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. Hold on, I'm pulling up around comics. Which, is, by the way, this is literally beating a dead horse. Uh, I don't think they're on. I don't think they're on here anymore. They're anymore, yeah. Uh, it's not up. Victory. I can't find it. Well, we're gonna look at Tom's show. Victory. Tom versus comics. Victory. Let's see. Tom versus comics. Would you like to make a guess? Um, four hundred. Four hundred. Five hundred nine. Nice. Wow. Awesome. There's a typo here. It looks like Ron wrote it. It says <laughs> join Tom Caters. He talks about Barry Allen a lot, but a lot is one word. Mm. They probably didn't put that then. All right, Josh is going to take a nap. Go to bed. Bye. Bye. Go to bed. Well, I had visions, I had dreams that could not become true because I laid too close. That's when I fell down into my darkest well